How's everybody doing? Good? Good, good? Hey, we are. Is that for you? Uh, we're, this is the last bit we have for you guys. And if you haven't already, uh, we did ha do have that QR code that should be in one of your seat rows. Uh, we just wanted to come, and Josh wasn't able to be with us today, but uh, we, we are honored to be here with you. And we got a few questions. Uh, actually, we had like 30 some questions. We're not going to get through them all. Uh, this is just going to be uh, 30, 35 minutes or so, but as, as things come about, um, if, if you have other questions that you feel maybe have come up, you can just, you know, send them in, and, and hopefully I see them here. But uh, I want to start just with, uh, with an easy one, uh, and, and this one is, it would be great for Josh, but I think given our, our purpose of being on mission, I think all of us can answer it in, in one way or another, but Josh talked about uh, how to approach people. Uh, and talk to them about Christ, about like for Christ, and, and bring them uh, to Christ. So what are some ways, or can you tell us kind of what your process is for doing just that? Mine probably is going to sound a little bit different uh, than, uh, than some, but um, we find uh, a passion for evangelism of children, and uh, specifically kids in foster care. And so... Um, the way that we meet most of them is that they come to live with us, <laughs> which is an interesting way to start a relationship uh, with somebody that hopefully will lead to Jesus. But um, so far, it's been pretty successful. Um, and uh, right now, we have a baby who cannot yet <laughs> profess faith in Christ. But our hope is as we help raise him and take care of him, that he will feel surrounded for his whole life, no matter what his future holds, um, that he will feel surrounded by Christ his whole life. And um, so that's one way that we do it. Um, another way is just, um, you know, at sitting down and, and talking with people who are uh, maybe uh, at an event or, like, we try to do a lot of community events. We try to hang out at the ballpark. Um, and honestly, for me as a mom, it's going to look different for all of you, but for me as a mom, I probably have the most contact with people through my children's sports. Um, more contact with people who are not saved, who do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, than I will ever on Sunday morning. So sitting down and being present at the ballpark, putting my phone down, asking people questions, learning their names through the season so that I can begin to pray for them and cultivate uh, conversations that will eventually lead me to the place where I share about my faith. Now, because I live in a small community, most people know me already, but occasionally I do meet some new people and the people who know me already, it's that much more important that I am who I say I am up here that I be the same consistent person that they meet at the ballpark. Um, so that's a great form of accountability for me personally. That's good. And do either of you have anything to add? Check, check. Hey, there we are. Um, I think it's hard to top somebody that's like, yeah, we do foster care. You know, it's like, okay, I'm not a Christian. Uh, no, I'm kidding. But uh, that is beautiful, honestly. No, it's super cool. But I think um, I had some friends in college that were like weirdly fantastic at like cold turkey evangelism. Um, I am not gifted as such. I think I could try it my entire life and just be terrible at it. Um, I, I'm not, as Josh said, you know, some of us are gifted at it, some of us are not, but I don't think that's an excuse to just not evangelize. I think you have to find, like, what does it look like for me and my personality to evangelize well, and uh, maybe this would encourage somebody. I, I think the way I look at evangelism is, is making friends, and I know that sounds, like, super simple, um, 
I don't think it's my job to just like meet random people and make them believe in Jesus in 30 minutes. You know, I think it's my job to make friends and to, to open my life to people that don't believe in Christ. I mean, I've been working on like, hey, I want to go golfing with some guys that I work with. They don't believe at all. And hopefully by the sixth round, we have some really cool conversations, you know, just making making friendships with people that don't don't believe and um, not treating them like a project not treating them like this is only a successful friendship if you get saved. Um, obviously, that's my goal. I hope so. I pray so. Um, but I just want to be friends with people, and I pray they see my life and my heart and my values and my beliefs. Um, yes, you have to be vocal during your sermon. I, I loved what you said. It can't just be like, oh, I hope they see that I'm nice to the cashier when we go out. You know, it's like, no, I, I have to tell you also that I believe in Jesus, and I hope you do too. But I think friendship is very underrated. And so I'd say in your sphere of influence, whatever it looks like, make friends. Just make friends and share Jesus with them over time. So. Same. Okay. Um, <clears throat> that that's so good. Thank you for sharing that. Um, I agree with with what you guys are saying. Um, in the in the context of uh, context of relationship, uh, what I found, and maybe this is just gifting, personality, or whatever, is that people are always looking for hope. This world is looking for hope, and so. One of the things that people love to do is they love to talk about themselves. And that's believers and non-believers. Wherever I go, I just meet people who want to preach themselves to me. And so, like, giving them a space for them to do that and asking open-ended questions eventually leads to their points of pain throughout their life. And that gives you an opportunity to perhaps even minister to them and... and, um, I begin with, you know, some sort of encouragement. I'm praying as I'm talking to them. But I know that um, the gospel is the solution, is, is the, the great healing that can happen for people. And so in the context of knowing who they are, whether it's, you know, yeah, a friend or, you know, out and about, if we get uh, chances to do that, um, it allows me to get to a point of saying, hey, can I pray for you and make it weird? Yeah. And so then they go, well, I'm not a believer. I'm not a Christian. And I go, well, that's all right. I'll you know, I, I don't need you to be a Christian for me to pray right now. Or uh, maybe we just dive more into, here's the way that I would approach that if, if, if I'm looking into, into this biblically, what you're dealing with. What do you think of that? Well, that's, that's the truth that's coming from, from the Bible. And so, um, as I mentioned earlier, we just started a, a community. So we don't have uh, offices in a building. We're renting from a co-working space in uh, Midtown Indianapolis that's called Cohatch. And the reason for that is so that we could meet people and business leaders who are in the community. And so we're very much like what you said. We're just, you know, um, uh, fist bumping people and going, hey, I know who you are. I know who you are. And then at some point over by the, by the coffee or the water cooler, you hang out there for a, while, for a while. And people want to know you because they're renting from this space just to network, just to meet other people, except that you're not selling them something. You're there to show that love. And so opportunities that kind of, kind of, but that's, that, a lot of that is me. I'm an extrovert. I love to hear people's stories. And uh, that's just what, what I've, how I've seen God leading me to, to do and to get better at. That's good. Um, I'm going to go to the next question. And this one I think could go tie in. I think it's a good segue. It's how can I be a beacon of truth and light where so many are opposed to Christ? That's a, uh, that's a really good question for whoever submitted that. Um, I think that I kind of look at it and, and let's talk, I, I kind of go back to Josh's message last night where he was talking about how, you know, you have to get uncomfortable. You have to go to places um, that 
they're really, I mean, that is dark, talking about the cave of pain and, and all that stuff. And I think we have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Um, all we have to do on our end really is, is to, to have a relationship with Jesus, continue to, 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 to foster that relationship, to continue to get into the word, to, to worship, prayer, like go before the Lord, have personal intercessors, like really live a life devoted for Jesus and everything else will, like nobody's going to be able to look at you and, and say, oh, he, he, they don't know Jesus. And you could go to all these dark places, in my opinion. You could go to all these dark places where people may be opposed to you, and you could probably not say a single thing about Jesus, but by the way you interact with them, by the way you love them, by the way you, you conversate with them, I believe that they're going to feel that love, and then they're, they're going to really enjoy you and your presence, and, and, and probably along with what you're saying, just making friends, it's, it's oh, now they want to be your friend, and then they're like, hey, what do you, what do you have that... That I, that I don't have. Like, what is it about you that makes you different? And then, boom, there's your open door. Uh, as I talked about last night, the open door, like, that's your open door right there to be able to, to, to share, uh, share the goodness of God and, and, and the good news of the gospel. So that's my own personal opinion, but I wanted to hear something from one of you guys if you have anything to add. I, I would just encourage whoever uh, wrote that question to remember that when you get there, the light just came on. When you walk in, the light comes on because the light is inside of you through the power of the Holy Spirit and the love of Jesus Christ and the fellowship that you have with God. The light's on now because you're in the room. And there have been rooms that I have had to stand in where I have, you know, my eyes have watched injustice or I've seen people done wrong or I've seen even, you know, children in our care. Uh, people make poor choices for their future and things like that. But I've decided that even if I am unable to control the outcome, I'm still bearing witness to Jesus Christ by being in the room. And I walk in, I know that I carry with me a presence that has no agenda but the best and highest good for every single person in that room. Praise God for that presence that keeps me and that helps me to be empowered to go into rooms that I wouldn't normally find myself in. That's great. That's really good. This uh, other question that came in, I keep asking someone to go to church with me, but I don't feel like I don't feel as though she wants to. Are there any other ideas, any other routes maybe we could suggest to help her come around? All right, I'm on. I'm on. All right. Um, this might be different for everybody, and I, I think you have to let the, the temperature of the relationship like lead with all this. So, so take this with knowing that I don't know the context of the relationship, I guess. But um, I'm a very straight shooter, just like in, in who I am. I don't know if anybody's an Enneagram fan or hater, so sorry if you're a hater, but I'm an eight. Um, everybody, when I say that, they're like, that huh, makes sense, you know. But uh, I am a straight shooter, and um, I think there, there's a lot of beauty in that sometimes. And in that situation, um, getting a weird phone call. Uh, in that situation, I would say just ask. I mean, don't overcomplicate and don't overthink it. Just like, hey, uh, I don't mean to be rude. Like, I know I've asked you to come to church however many times, and I don't want to, like, keep being offensive or anything, but, like, is, is it getting old? Like, is there any hang-up? You know, I, I just, I care about you. I want you to come with me. Like, I don't know what's going on. And my guess is they'd probably feel like they have to give some kind of answer, and it would lead you to a point in the conversation where you at least understand what their thought process is, you know? Uh, be the first one to acknowledge, like, yeah, it's probably weird. I keep asking to church, huh? <laughs> like, you know, it's it's okay. Um, just address the elephant in the room, and then get where get where you need to go. Um, 
that's uh, just kind of my motto for life in a lot of ways. But I think that there's just no harm in asking, like, hey, am I bugging you? Like, do I need to shut up? Why? Like, what's the deal? Um, I just ask. Again, take that with the context of the relationship, but that's what I would say. Um, Alex, I want to kind of ask, ask you this question. Uh, I feel like you would, you would really have a good response to it, and, and that's why I want to ask you. But um, why do, this question says, why do I hesitate to walk through the door God has opened for the gospel or in general? I feel that we are always calculating the cost, even if we don't call it that. Like whenever we walk into a season of our lives, we may be calculating how much is this going to cost me. And, and as humans, I think God created us to the fact Jesus said at some point, nobody goes to war without counting their resources. Nobody builds a building without figuring out how much they need to build. And so it's okay to count the cost. Mm-hmm. But sometimes we get hung up on how costly it's going to be to walk through that door Mm -hmm. and there have been times at least in my life empirically maybe even spiritually in which or when I have felt the same way and the Lord has spoken basically saying that it's because the cost is going to be great but the reward in heaven will be even greater and so I don't think it's wrong to come to the Lord and say I Lord, I'm, I'm uncomfortable with what you're telling me right now because it's going to cost me dearly. Yeah. It may cost my, my comfort, as, as we were talking about this morning. Um, it may cost relationships. I mean, you face it when, you, when you're called to move away from, from what you know and to go to a different city or a different nation. It costs a lot. But, but then Jesus also talked about how much more he will return to those who sacrifice for him in this life, but especially in the next. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's an opportunity for us to put that before a heavenly father who knows our struggle, knows our imperfections and our limits, and he can say, yes, it will be costly, but I'm paying that cost for you. That's good. That's real good. Uh, A lot of people say they would die for God when in reality we should be living for him. What's your definition of living for the Lord? I'll start this one. I I think something that's been uh, heavy on my heart um, over the past probably month or two now uh, is is words, power of words. And in this, it says uh, living for the Lord, um, which, yes, we're going to do a lot of things, you know, to serve the Lord. But I kind of got convicted one one morning in, in my devotions, and it was like, oh, yeah, you're doing all these things for me, but are you doing it with me? And... So when it comes to this question, what's your definition of living for the Lord? I think it's for simply enough, it's, is, am I living with the Lord? Because when I live with the Lord and all that I do, then, then his mindset, his spirit, that as, as, it, as, it, as he uh, just purifies my mind and my heart, like constant, continuous sanctification, like I'm going to continue to, my eyes are going to be open to a number of different things in a number of different places that as I am living with the Lord, then uh, all my actions will then begin to follow. And yes, we're human and, and, and we will fall to sin and uh, one time or another, but we're not, we're not called to a life of sin. We're called out of it. So what, what that means is as we live with the Lord, we will find ourselves continue to walking away from our life of sin and walking towards a life with the Father. So that's kind of how I look at that question, but 
I don't, I don't think we need to worry too much about dying for the Lord um, in this part of the world. However, I think living for the Lord is being, being ready in case that word happens. I mean, the, the Bible even says uh, to not panic when persecution uh, arises, which means that at some point our church is going to face that. So at some point, some of us in this room are going to be faced with the opportunity, maybe even the, the um, privilege of being called to stand for God in a situation of life or death. That said, that moment is going to be weak if we're not truly living for God. And so what does it mean to live for God? Galatians 2.20 says, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And so one way of looking at it for me is, are all the decisions am I making being uh, decisions that uh, Christ is making for his name, for his kingdom, through me? Me, I'm already dead. I'm already on the cross. What, what is he want? And so with that, um, I'm being convicted as of the last few weeks in, in my own time of really understanding the Holy Spirit of Jesus. And so whenever I found myself in the last few days having a thought that I shouldn't have or make a decision I shouldn't make, I have been asking, Holy Spirit of Jesus, is this the right way? If not, forgive me. Um, lead me somewhere else. Now, I'm not saying that I, I don't want to be the hero of this story because he is. This is just a struggle in which I am in like you, of learning what it is to live for Christ. Now, remember that Paul said for me to live, uh, um, to live for him, to live as Christ and to die as gain. That's right. To live for Christ and to die as gain. And so how do we live for him? That, that's also a question very uniquely that everybody's going to have to answer here under the umbrella of the Great Commission of making disciples of all nations. Uh, man, that's good. How do I reach those who I may not have anything in common with? I think I'm on. I don't know why I keep forgetting. Um, I, I think, like, commonality, it's, it's true. You know, like, we all have things that we enjoy doing. Uh, we all have things that we're drawn to. Um, I'm, I'm a sports guy, so it's, like, it's super easy when somebody's like, oh, my gosh, you watched the game? It's like, absolutely. You know, that's all I do. Um... But I do think that we have far more in common with just everybody than we think we do. And it goes back to, I think, something you answered about people love to talk about themselves and eventually you'll end up at their pain. And I think uh, we all, like, we're all sinners. We're all broken, which means we all have vast amounts of pain in some degree, whether it's self-inflicted or, you know, it's been inflicted by others. And I think um, just getting to the commonalities of our humanity, to be honest, I mean, it's, it's like we're all, we're all humans. And especially if somebody lives in your city or they live in this nation, it's like there's a ton of stuff all the time that, that we could talk about with people. Um, I mean, I don't know, I, even at work sometimes, like, hey, you guys see that in the news? Like, that's just crazy, isn't it? And, you know, you get them talking and you hear some crazy stuff. But eventually you get down to shoot, okay, I, I'm starting to see how they see the world. I'm starting to see, like, the way that they think. I'm starting to, this person's starting to make more sense to me, and maybe even I'm finding out we have less in common than I thought, but they're making more sense. And so I think um, empathy is kind of the word that I'm getting at there. It, it just comes down to I, I want to know who this person is and how they think, and commonality doesn't have to rule everything with that. Um, some of, the, some of the best friends that I made, especially even in college, were people that it was like, we had the most 
different backgrounds. I mean, I was best friends with this dude that was like Southern Indiana, Hick. You know, I was city boy, sports guy. Like, yeah, it's, he, no, he really was. I'm not calling you like he, and he, he would, he would be like, that's right, baby. You know, like he, he would a hundred percent. So um, it's no shade. It's like, he really was. And we hit it off, man. And our, our only commonality, I think, was we deeply loved Christ. We were very messed up people in pursuit of him. And we liked golf. And that's all we had. So, um, but we built a friendship, you know, and, and God, God really used it. So I think just empathy, man, trying to, trying to let the, let the other person talk and learn their, their life. I, I would agree. I mean, that empathy, I think it's fueled by uh, being curious. Yes. And, and I think part of being a missionary, we're all missionaries in our culture, is being curious about people, where they come from. And, and the more different they are, the more of a cultural gap there is, but you can jump through those hoops with questions about who they are, what they do, and then trying to model that for them. Hey, will you teach me why you eat the way you eat? Or will you teach? Now, doesn't mean that we have to make everybody a cultural pet or what, we, what I call a cultural chew toy. Like, I don't like being somebody's cultural chew toy, but at the same time, there's real, a real um, curiosity. I have a hard time pronouncing that word, by the way. But if, can you, one of you say Curiosity. That. Thank you. Um, if you have that, you know, then, then I think it'll be really good to mirror uh, what other people experience and uh, who they are, and that's what makes us uh, missionary. So, but I love your, the word that you said, empathy. I would agree on I would just add one thing, and that is that, you know, the opposite of assumption is curiosity, and I think sometimes we assume that we have nothing in common with someone, and when we take the time to really listen to them, being a good, active listener is really important. Um, looking them in the eyes, thinking about what they're saying instead of what we're going to say next, and not making assumptions about who they are or what they believe just because, you know, they, you've put them in a category doesn't mean that they fit that category at all. So be careful to lead with curiosity and not with assumption. And I think that you'll find that you're far more connected to people than you realize. That's good. I got two more questions. This one, Lauren, is, is about how you talked about instance and intentional disciples. Uh, any, any of us can, can answer this, but do you think that people get saved and walk away from God are truly saved, or is that not for us to decide? And the second part is, how can we work with those people? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Very, thanks yeah, thanks for that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I realize that many of us come at different you know, come from this, from different denominational and theological perspectives. Um, I think that largely the vast number of people that we see sort of, you know, get baptized and maybe two years later we're looking through our baptism rolls and we're going, where are they? Mm -hmm. It's not necessarily because they walked away from the faith, but um, it's because they were left behind by the, the church. I think sometimes we aren't careful enough to nurture. You know, I would not leave my one-year-old baby out to, hey, go hang out, make yourself a cheeseburger. I'll see you in seven days. You know, I, I'm not going to do that. And I think the same is true for our spiritual infants. So I'm less worried about where they stand with the Lord um, and more worried about how to bring them back into a, a place of community so that they, again, feel like they belong, so that they can uh, learn to believe and they can become because the belonging piece comes first every time and I think we're seeing a lot of this you know not all of it but a lot of the deconstruction that we see it's because people just don't feel like they belong and so how do we create um, space for them to feel like they can ask their questions 
okay, you don't know if any of this is real now. Let's talk about it. Let's, let's talk it out. And I don't know if you remember, Jeremy Clark preached on that last year. Yeah. And he, he's my good friend from high school, but he's a rock star. And he talked about, you know, if it's got to deconstruct, let it all come down and let's build it on the rock. Yeah. But we've got to give them a safe place to ask these questions so yeah. that they're not asking TikTok and they're yeah. not asking yeah. um, the, yeah. the, the culture that's going to lead them to a, 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 you know, a, a path that is wide. We want them on the narrow path. And so I think maybe we're asking the wrong question there. And the right question is, how do we how do we um, make sure that we don't let them ghost on community as far as we are able? Yeah. Um, does that? Yeah. I don't no, that's good. Please, please feel free. Can you can you reread the question one more time for me? Yeah. The, uh, yes. Uh, do you think that people get saved and walk away from God are truly saved, or is that not for us to decide? And how can we work with those people? Yeah. Um, I, I think that. It's a great question, um, and so what I'm about to say, I hope this doesn't sound like I'm dismissing the question. I, I think that we get way too caught up in the answer to that question, It's just what I would say. Um, I mean, I'm not ashamed of my background at all, and I hope no one else is ashamed of theirs as far as like their theology and what they've studied in their denomination. So I went to a Wesleyan Arminian school, very free will believing. Um, you could argue too much, you know, and we could have that conversation another time over coffee or something like that. Um, and then I know people that are far more reformed, very like once saved, always saved, you know, uh, five points of Calvinism, all that stuff. If you don't know what I'm talking about, your life's probably a lot easier than ours. Um, but uh, I, I think what I've studied both sides, uh, I find a lot of value in both sides, to be honest. It's, classic cop-out answer. I really think the truth is somewhere so muddy in the middle of all of that um, and the sovereignty of God and our ability to choose. And I think it's so confusing that we can't understand it. And if we think we can, I think that's another thing. But what I would say is this, um, I think as far as salvation, I, I never see it as an on and off switch. I see it as a journey and a path. And even to, to my my sermon this morning, I see it as a road. I think I think Salvation is a road. Scripture is very clear that we are called to work out our salvation in community and with the help of the Holy Spirit. Um, that process is what we call sanctification. Uh, and I think sometimes people, yes, they, they do get quote unquote saved. I think there are moments of salvation, but I think that working out is the life lived. And is this person in? Is this person out? I mean, obviously that will be a question that Christ answers when judgment day comes. I don't think it's a question that we are called to stress over, and I don't think it's a question we're called to, to even try and answer. I think that we're called to say, this is the road that we need to walk. Um, if, if someone was on it and they have deviated, I think it's our responsibility, and I, I love what you said, to, to Let's let's go get them. I mean, I think of the the, the 99 sheep, you know, it's like, nope, ah, there's that one. They're gone. We're going to get them and get them back on this narrow road. And so um, I try to demystify it in that sense and say, uh, I, I want to make sure that my heart posture is always a repentant, narrow road heart posture. It isn't always. And that's something that I think is is discipleship and sanctification and working out that salvation. But um, as far as working with those people, that's the, my favorite part of that question. And I would say. Pray for them like crazy. Invite them back into community. Love what Josh said last night in his sermon about that girl that was about to end her yeah. life. And they just invited her into community and invited her into community to the point where she's like, I don't even have time to, to do what I was going to do, you know? Um, and so I, I think that's really what it is, is we just invite them into Christian community and, and we watch their heart transformed by the Holy Spirit and by, by godly community.
Yeah, that's good. All right, last question here. And I think this is a great question to wrap up with. How do I put how I feel about wanting a crazy, deep relationship with God into action when the world can get so heavy with other things? I think I'll start. I think that we talk about, I, I talk with a, a lot of people about, you know, how do, I go, how do I go deeper? How do I go deeper? How do I go deeper? And I think we forget to celebrate where he's already brought us to. And I say that is because I actually just preached a message on it this past Sunday. I call it the victory list. And I kind of challenged my congregation. I said, hey, I want you to write down all the things that, you, that, that, that God has, has given you victory over, given you victory in. And once we did that, I had heard a great response from my people where they were where just like, hey, I've never really thought about that. Like, this is good. Like, I, I kind of forget about all these things. And when we begin to remember and remind ourselves of the goodness of God, the faithfulness of God, and how he has provided time and time and time and time again, I think in that, we are, every single time we remind ourselves of what he's done, uh, w w like, the flame is reignited in us. We, we, we have a, we have a ever-growing hunger, an ever-growing thirst for that relationship with him, and we just want to go deeper and deeper. And I think there's a difference between saying you want one and then actually doing something. And, I mean, to put it very clearly is you just got to quit making excuses. Like, I talk to a lot of people who kind of have a um, victim mentality mindset of there's all these things in their life that, that are so stressful and, and so hard, and they don't know how, how they can ever do it, and they just, they're just always complaining about and giving reasons as to why they can't do something. But when it comes to our relationship with Jesus, in my opinion, it's just, you just gotta, you just gotta do it. Like quit, quit giving authority, quit giving dominion over to Satan and, and his demons, like, and, and his minions, you just gotta just go for it. And I know it, 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 I'm sure there's a lot of emotions that come along with that. But for me personally, I just quit making excuses and just go in like head first, diving into the waters of the Word of God, getting into worship. Get a, I talk about personal intercessors. Get personal intercessors in your life that you can go to about anything, that they can pray over you with anything. Get a group, be in a small group, a life group, whatever your church calls it. Get into a group, a community that, that they can pour into. And most importantly, what often I think gets overlooked is serving. Not necessarily just serving in your local church, but serving literally in your community. Like, if your church doesn't offer opportunities for outreach, like, one thing, we just did a serve day uh, at, at my campus last Saturday, and I had several of the people who came who had said, like, this was so good for me. And in that, one of the, one of the guys that we went and visited at this home for recovery and addiction as a halfway house, and... We were just talking with him. We loved on him for about an hour, hour and a half. And one of the guys gave their life to the Lord. And, and we, like, celebrated with him. We prayed with him. And, and, and we, had a, we had a guy who actually came and, and, and spoke with me, and he said, hey, this was, like, exactly what I needed. Like, one of our guys. 
And I'm like, and, and ever since that serve day, this man's been on fire for the Lord. I mean, getting into the word, like just declaring things on our, on our, on our group page, like all these things, like leading his family, his, his, leading his family now, like just boldly. And I'm just like, this is what it's about. Like as we do all these things in discipleship and evangelism, as we go out and preach the word of God and, and, and declare the gospel and the good news, like he can do far more in our lives uh, by doing that, I believe, uh, and I've witnessed it firsthand, uh, and it's actually been really incredible, but yeah, I kind of went on a, like a whole tangent there, sorry, but. <laughs> can I add, <clears throat> uh, so I, I love coffee, do you guys love coffee? So here's the thing about coffee is I delight in coffee. When I drink coffee in the morning, maybe it's an addiction, but when I... Be friends forever. Yes, exactly. So, and so like, and I like coffee black, but I also like it cappuccino, and I also like it latte. I like it cold. I like it hot. Where are we going? Uh, yes, exactly. Right after this. I delight in coffee. I, I love the way that it makes me feel inside. And, and I've, I've had so much coffee all over the... Because I love coffee. So there's a scripture that says, delight, delight yourself in the Lord. And we focus on the second part of the script, that, that he will give you the size of your heart. What happens is the more you fall in love with who he is in your life, the more you just crave that. And then, and then there's, I mean, it's so hard because everything's competing against that, obviously. Um, but when you start delighting yourself, I mean, really tasting the goodness of God. John Piper calls it, whatever you think of John Piper, I don't care. But he, he calls it uh, Christian hedonism, <laughs> which I love that term, which is like really feeling even in your, in your skin you know, the, the grace and the gospel of Jesus, and I love that. And so there are seasons when you're just like more and more, at some point you're fighting for it, kind of like in marriage. Like in marriage, you know, you, you have, you, you date, and you have the season where you're like, you know, want to be with each other all the time, and then you're married for a couple decades, and kids come, and now you have to fight for what came easy at the beginning of those 20 years, but you do it because you love that relationship. So you begin somewhere with the Lord, but then at some point you get to a point of like, this is, I just, I've needed this more than my coffee. And at that point, you're fighting for something that you delight in. So there's a journey delighting in him that I feel gets us where he would want. Just real quick, I think what, what I would add as well, I mean, that's, that's all fantastic. Uh, I mean, you, you hit on it just very briefly, is that like, there's just a war for our attention. Um, in this life. And I think it's kind of what I was getting at in my sermon is in America, man, it is obnoxious how many things we can put our attention on. I mean, you go home, how many streaming services could you fire up and how many apps you got on your phone to scroll through? And I mean, it's like there, you could focus on literally anything that you want to. And the way that I think about it, um, one of the pastors I, I used to, to sit under his teaching, he talked about um, investments. I don't know if any of you guys invest in like stock market or anything like that. But he was like, man, I started investing in this like super random stock. And all of a sudden I found myself like weeks later, he was like, I was researching about it. And I I was trying to learn about it. And he's like, the next thing I knew, I knew more about Florida oranges than I felt like I knew about my own family. You know, he's like, he's obviously like, it's hyperbole. But my point is, invest in the things of the kingdom with your, with your time, your, your money, with your ability, your giftings. Um, I, I said maybe the dumbest thing I've ever said in my life. I said it in college and I, I'll, I'll never forget it because I said it to a girl. She was wildly passionate about uh, joining in the fight against human trafficking. 
um, and child trafficking. And I remember saying, like, I'm, I'm just so glad that, like, everybody, you know, in the body of Christ is gifted to care about different things. I just don't think that's something for, for me to be super invested in, you know. And I, I look back on that moment and on her face, and I'm like, I think I was the dumbest person in the world when I said that because I started spending time with organizations that fight against that. I started giving money to it. I started seeing what the results are when you actually invest your time and your energy and your conversations and your money in setting young people free who are literally enslaved right now in this world. And that is just one tiny thing that we can join in on. And I'm like, when, where my money went and where my time went and where my conversations went is what I began, began to care about. I mean, it's like, yeah, cool. A game is on. That doesn't matter because I put all my investment over here in the kingdom, and this this matters to me like you wouldn't believe, you know. And I think just start investing in things that, that count and that matter. I mean, if we were to look at our screen time on our phones, a classic Christian joke, but it's like, you want to know what you're invested in and what you care about? Look at your bank account. What are you invested in? What do you care about? Um, you're, it's a war for our attention all the time, and we get to choose where it goes. We just have to be conscious of it and, and be conscious that you're investing in things of the kingdom, is what I would say. I think it's important to remember that, um, you know, 200 years ago, people were not accustomed to hearing about everything that ever happened all over the world, every single moment of every single day. I think it's important for us to remember that we are human, we are finite, we are only able to carry so much. So sometimes it behooves us to turn off the television or turn off that source of news. Whatever, when, when the person said it felt heavy, you know, Jesus' burden is light. And so sometimes I think we have to remember that we're not him. Um, and be able, I read a great book, it's called Take Back Your Life. It's by uh, John Eldridge. And he talks about in this book, the practice of one minute every, you know, few hours just saying, Jesus, I give everything and everyone to you right now. And we are facing a really, really hard time in our family. Uh, one of my children is in the deep, uh, the, the deep sea of mental illness right now. And I find myself consistently having to say, Lord, I, I give this to you yet again. Here I am again, Lord. It's like Judy Bloom. Are you there, God? It's me, Margaret. Um, and so I have to continue to just surrender that over and over again because it's too heavy for me to carry. And I'm his child. And he wants to carry that for you and me. And so maybe we need to have a little bit of healthy detachment and realize what we're able to carry and what God intends to carry for us. That's good. So good. Uh, thank you guys for, for joining us up here and, and just being with us this weekend. Uh, I'm sure that, that each of your messages had it, it touched, if not everybody, and definitely at least one person. And, and if you're like me, then, you know, that's worth it. That's worth it all. So, um, guys, we hope that you were over this weekend, you've been encouraged, you've been inspired, you've been ignited in, in some way, shape, or form to go out outside uh, as, as Josh said last night, this is just the halftime. This is just the locker room, but we have actual work to do. We have the game. It's not in here, but it is out there. Um, and we're going to, we're not done yet. We're going to go into worship. We're going to go in before the Lord uh, this, e this afternoon, before we, before we take off. We just got a few songs that we just want to enter in with you guys and uh, just, just a allow us to reflect. But before we do that, I'm just going to ask you guys, we're going to pray. And uh, if you'll join me, Lord. We give thanks to you, Father, for this weekend, Lord, for, for all those who, who were serving behind the scenes, Lord, for all those who um, really just ultimately just put their, their time, their talents, their fortunes, Father, uh, before you so that you may get the glory, so that you will be praised, Lord, so that so that people will leave here uh, encouraged, Lord, to, to be able to, to, 
to declare the good news of your word, to declare the, the good grace, Father, that you give us. I pray, Lord, that as we go out, that these things aren't just forgotten, Lord, but that, that, that they rest on our minds, that they, they, they don't fall deaf on our ears, Lord, but that we are reminded of it every, every day, Lord, as we go out into our workplaces, into our schools, into our classrooms, into our, into our communities, our neighborhoods, our circles, our families, Lord, our friends, whatever it is, for those who, who aren't here, as we go out, Lord, I pray, Lord, for your encouragement, for your spirit to pour out a, a, upon these people here tonight, these, these young adult generation that, Lord, Lord, this is just the beginning, but I know that you have such a plan and such a purpose for every single person that is in here tonight, God. And I pray, Lord, that you're, you're, the purpose, the plan is revealed, Jesus. As we enter in, Lord, in, in, in this moment, I pray, Lord, that, that all things, that you'll get the glory. That we enter and we don't worry about who's around us and, and what people are going to think if we lift our hands, Lord. But as we just enter in to you. Enter into your presence, Jesus. I pray, Lord, that, that all the discouragement, all the weight that we are feeling, Lord, that maybe people came in here today that they still feel maybe, I pray against it. I pray the blood of Jesus that was poured out over that cross that is poured out over all our sins, that, that same blood, Father, gives us the power to declare the name of Jesus over all of our sickness, over all of our mental illness, over all of our physical illness, Lord. I pray that we have a fresh awakening, Jesus a fresh awakening of who you are. May we come in reverence, and may we come in awe of you, Jesus. May we have a fear of the Lord that is a holy fear, that is the perfect fear, that, the perfect love that casts out all fears. May we have that. May we receive that. May we declare that over our minds, over our bodies, over our homes, over our relationships today, God. Open the doors, and may we be obedient and faithful as we step through them today, Jesus. It's in your name we pray, amen.